0: For the best listening experience, headphones are recommended. Warning. Some material presented here may be sensitive or mature for younger audiences. Depictions of
1: violence, suggestive content, and profanity are involved. Listener discretion is advised. Pin, Tito, Faye, and I walk together to the garage to see a very elaborate vehicle in front of them. The jeepney is a mix of being run down and intricately decorated. The look is definitely the form of a classic design that can trace its legacies close to the first generation of jeepneys. So many colors with a mix of different colors swirl around the vehicle in the form of many abstract designs. The hood of the jeepney has four statuettes of horses on it. Even the wheels have designs in the form of strange spirals focusing on the axis. <coughs>
2: She, I. You have uh, an interesting sense of taste, right, Carl? Hey,
3: it works well enough. Plus, the utility on Maria has unlimited potential.
4: Care to explain?
3: She can drive on water, has expansive storage containers that are bigger on the inside than the outside, and she's more armed than a freaking Abrams tank.
4: Oh, you really went all out with her. And that's why your baptized tires are called as such? Because they drive on water?
3: They also repair themselves in three days.
4: Hmm. Does such items work for non-Christians?
3: It's not exactly about being Christian, actually. Blessed items of any kind are based on the principle, not necessarily on the will of a higher power. Though such powers set the knowledge of these blessings in place as a matter of convenience for their followers, but divine miracles and blessings function as ritualized links to call upon the natural laws of the universe to reassert themselves when certain types of magic circumvents... You know what? How about I give you a book later on that?
4: Uh... Thanks?
1: I answer my ringing phone and listen for a moment before hanging up. Guys, we gotta move. The organizers are starting the parade early because of weather conditions. Security is forming on the ground while the tikbalang are guarding the rooftops. Our allies say the Aswanga are already moving to their positions. Tito, stay with Reyna while Faye, Finn, and I head out now.
3: As long as you know how to drive Maria. If you wreck her, you pay for the insurance. We can talk about this later.
1: Everyone other than Ricard goes to Maria. I start the engine, which roars loudly. Fay and I could see the variety of buttons, levers, and switches on the dashboard.
4: That's a lot of stuff here.
1: I grasp a rosary hanging on the mirror and pause for a moment. Tito doesn't know when too much is too much. As the humans say, he lets his inner nerd get the better of him. Let's go. I'll be in the back. Maria starts to move and drives off from the garage into the road beyond.
5: Music blares in speakers all over the city. The streets of Cebu are filled with its denizens. Many of them are marching with floats already on the move. The banners on the rafters are waving wildly in the wind. Many dancers in their traditional dresses are dancing with some holding replicas of Santo Niño. More crowds of people start clustering together in the sidewalk. On the rooftops, squads of Aswang and Undead are setting up special devices and priming them up for detonation. We will need to be quick, because I am sure someone would have caught wind of this operation. Suddenly... A group of Tikbalang port next to them and attack them silently with special spears, bows, and small modern arms. Aswang and Undead attempt to counterattack with their weapons or their very claws, but too many of them are taken by surprise. Multiple of squads of Aswang and Tikbalang are fighting in discreet places. ...while the humans below remain ignorant of the battles in the hidden places of the city. I fly into the top of the tallest building in Cebu and set myself in secure position. I set my sniper rifle up and go prone, taking aim at any targets below with my scope. I see one of the Tikbalang is about to strike one of my brethren... Before he does, I shoot at him, hitting him through the chest, alerting his squad and forcing them to retreat. I send a message to my men through my communicator. Got your back. Keep yourselves out in the open. They know I can shoot from, from afar. Salam,
4: The jeepney goes deeper into the city while trying to navigate to places where it is allowed to drive in. We look around to see if anything odd is happening around. Finn suggested earlier I bring the USB drive just in case it has information about disarming the bombs. Yasmin did a full analysis on the manifest. But she noticed it was based on a cipher the Aswan crime bosses used to communicate with each other. That is all. Why have such sensitive information locked in something the Aswang can easily gain access to? Maybe it will add up into something later. I pocket it in my sweatpants. Riz answers his phone again. Listening intently, he then curses and hangs up. He activates the screen on the jeepney dashboard to see a GPS activate about where we are going into the city.
1: Fuck! we have a sniper. Some of our guys are being picked off one by one.
4: Do they know where the sniper is?
1: Considering all the places they are shot at, there is probably one place where the sniper is at. The tallest building in the city. And no, Siri, I am not talking to you!
2: Ah, great. We have to split up to make sure we can cover the teams fighting the Aswan as well as disable the bombs.
1: Did your bitchy friend say anything special about these bombs? i
2: They are bio-weapons that release special spores, turns people into un- dead, considering that the Mastermind is a necromancer.
1: you would have
4: an army of thousands.
1: If not more, all the more reason we have to take him down. We have to find him as soon as possible.
4: I could also fight the sniper, but from here, it will be a long stretch to reach there. I can probably cross through any electrical equipment to traverse inside the building quickly, but I don't know if that will be fast enough to get to the top from the inside. Not to mention, they could know I am present the moment I enter a room. Finn nimbles on his thumb for a moment.
2: Faye,
4: can you give me your phone? You and your thumb, always planning something together.
1: Riz, some string. In the compartment.
4: Finn opens the dashboard and takes a roll of string and wraps it around the phone to his spear, making sure it's firmly in place.
2: Riz, call your backup. I am going to throw this spear in the direction of that building. Can you tell them to take this spear and throw it as far as they can into the side of that building? We might have to chain our throws depending on distance.
1: We have a plan to take down the sniper. I see one of the Deepalang in battle, not to me from the top of the building, as we are driving by. He switches calls to inform the others about the plan as he uses his hooked foot to step on a zombie's face. Finn gets on top of the roof of the jeepney and aims his spear at the building. He throws it as far as he possibly can. One of the Dekbalang ports close to where the spear is, grabs it, and throws it further at the building before porting out. Mortig Palang, seeing the spirit close to them, do the same as well. Until...
5: I hear something land right underneath the top of the building where I am. I detach my lower half and it walks on the side of the building to find the source of the sound.
1: Faye prepares herself as Finn gets his phone ready. You are telling me she is going to do what?
4: Trust us. I have done this before. Just not with such a small screen.
2: Ah, good luck, lass. Don't do anything too reckless. Think with your head.
4: I'll try not to screw up. More like do
1: not screw up. I say this as I make a short turn to a different street. Bay <laughs> looks deep at Finn's phone and then touches the screen. Her body starts contorting in a bizarre way, to the point where she can fit through the smartphone until she completely enters through it. That's really
2: weird. Yeah, she's used to it. Makes me wonder what it is like traversing without a phone.
1: Yeah, now that I think of it. Wait, why is the street so empty? We realize we entered the street with no one in it save a group of kneeling cyber undead and a strange monster sitting cross-legged in the middle of the street. His eyes open and his gaze turns to the jeepney.
2: Oh shite, he's real ugly, ain't he?
1: I assume that's the leader? The headless monster stands up along with his minions. He takes his staff from his next stump and slams it on the ground creating a shockwave of green energy blocking nearby objects back. The sky around the area warps and twists like the street is phasing to another plane of existence.
2: This sod must have been anticipating us. They shouldn't take too long to traverse. She's not the type to faff about. I'll recall my spear soon.
1: Just make sure this fight doesn't spill outside the street. It'll turn to a bloodbath
2: quickly. It won't. The spell he's using takes us to an alternate reality, cut off from the real world. Maybe he wants to be thorough that we won't get aid. So you've seen the spell before? Yeah,
1: from a different foe. He must be Herodotus. He stares down the jeepney and then calls his minions. You're right that I met you
3: on an empty street. I'd rather not be interrupted, as I have my fun.
1: You stare back, not showing fear. The necromancers are cowards. No matter who they are.
2: My children.
5: First.
1: The undead howl and charge at the vehicle. I counter the charge by flooring the pedal in an attempt to ram at Herodotus, running over many undead. Herodotus manages to jump over the jeepney on its roof, denting it with his landing. Finn climbs on the roof and engages the monster. I take a quick glance at Herodotus as he opens his mouth wide and green fire starts igniting from his throat and then breathes it out in the fiery blast. Finn dodges it in time by sidestepping to the right side while holding on the window of the jeepney's side. Hearing the fire, I hit the brake pedal disrupting Herodotus' channeling. The zombies swarm the vehicles at me. I am quick to transform and then port out. I attack the zombies with my batons while Finn climbs back on the roof while kicking Herodotus' left shoulder, causing him to stumble and drop his staff. Herodotus regains his stance, and with his hands and feet igniting in green flame, he attacks Finn with burning kicks and then a solid full of burning punches. Finn attempts to block the flurry of attacks but the sleeves of his coat burn from the touch of the man-eaters attacks. He removes his coat and counter attacks with his own kicks and punches at the man-eaters. Meanwhile I continue to fight off the zombies who try to attack me with maws, claws and the lasers coming from their eyes. I block and dodge most of them but still receive cuts, flashes and bite marks and attack more aggressively, hitting as many as I can while I port multiple times all over the map. I take one and port myself and the undead out into the air. We fall, but I port out just as we land, while the zombies get splattered by the landing. I port to Finn, trying to strike a Herodotus with my batons. The man into reaches for his staff and blocks the attack. Suddenly, the monster ports out in a green light, as well as reappears from inside a zombie, causing it to explode. Herodotus then takes another zombie and eats it whole. His whole body then ignites itself in green flame. I noticed things but bruises.
2: Yeah, fighting him like this isn't going to work. you have any great suggestions? Now's the time. Give Faye more time, then I'll get my spear so I can engage him more easily. I rode this breeze out more green fire at us, while the
1: horde of undead charge at them.
4: infinitely into the abyssal static, this is my experience every time I enter this realm. The chaos of image and sound of the black and white void can make it very disorienting to navigate. I can see different channels and shows and floating screens as well as lost souls swimming in the nether, unable to leave the realm. I look around, finding my way out. In the midst of the white noise, I could see my phone screen from a certain distance. I fly towards my destination until I reach my portal out of the static sea. I come out of the screen in a warped and contorted way, as I notice there is a disembodied pair of legs trying to dislodge the spear. I throw up on the legs, causing it to fall until it manages to grasp a flagpole jutting out of the building. I see that my phone is busted from my entrance, but... I can worry about that later Too much is at stake I continue to climb up the building The lower half manages to find its footing And shoots a grappling hook that attaches to one of my legs I look down and notice the legs knees open up and shoot lasers at me I narrowly dodge both of them Then I see the sniper aiming at me point blank I had to be quick dodged the shot in time. The bullet hits the cable that was dragging me down. With it severed, her lower half goes off balance and falls down the building, crashing to the ground. Shit! As she reels back in pain, I kick the rifle from the sniper's hands then go into a stance ready to fight her. Then, I realise this must be the Aswan crime boss that Riz mentioned before. Ate Delisai. She is the sniper from the warehouse, and I realize her lower body is missing. Riz did mention to me, back in his uncle's place, that she has the ability to bisect herself. Recovering, Delisai uses her wings to stand up in a way that makes her look very tall, as a way to intimidate me. Her claws elongate like very long knives.
5: You, from the warehouse. You should have just minded your own business. It's
4: hard to ignore someone trying to blow up a city to make zombies. Not my plan,
5: that ugly bastard.
4: Even so, you know the entire country would take notice and try to hunt you and your kind down if you pull this off.
5: I won't have to worry, but you should worry about yourself.
4: Is it worth it though? To let thousands, if not millions, die? To make the Aswang known and vilified further?
5: You do not understand us.
4: The flurries don't stop from the Lisai as I try to appeal whatever nature she has that doesn't want to do this. I know the government and those aware of your kind want you all dead. In fact, I am an exile as my homeland considers me unnatural. We are both unwanted by our homes. The Lisai stops for a moment. What you are doing is an act of revenge against humanity. I can understand that. I tried to commit revenge on all those that wronged me in life.
5: Then why are you trying to stop me?
4: Because why prove these people right about
5: us? That we are monsters. We are monsters. We exist to make them live in fear. To make them know their place is a hostile world.
4: She draws her claws and I duck as she scrapes the walls violently. (laughs) Who says we have to
5: live for that? That is not who I am. I know it is what I am. And if you remain in my way, I'll shred you like the rest.
4: Elisa pounces at me, slamming me to the ground.
5: (laughs) No more talk. I don't know why you thought talking to me would work. So you are doing this for revenge? For yourself or someone important to you?
4: Delisai pauses for a moment. She seems to be lost in thought. Would I want you to do all of this?
5: Don't presume.
4: I'm not. That is why I'm asking you. Thinking carefully about what is going to come next, Delisai considers her options. I am not asking you to change your ways. Just know
5: this whole plan is not worth to everyone involved. You know, if I decide to listen to you... It is not going to change what is happening in the eyes of the authorities or my people. It won't make sense to turn back now.
4: I know that Herodotus' bombs are pinnacle technology, and so are his thrall's implants. That much is obvious. Ate still holds me down, but if I can get through to her, maybe further bloodshed can be averted, And I can prove that to you. Manifest 64 has the term Legazpi M1565 in its schematics.
5: Hmm. You think I don't know that? I had a feeling about it. The deck is something I am not proud of using.
4: I have the manifest from the warehouse. Ate Delisai raises a brow
5: in surprise. Hmm. What do you expect me to do with that drive?
4: I am giving it to you. Please, we couldn't access the full information from the drive. I think you access it. It has a cipher from your people. I hand over the drive, which only adds to her expression of confusion. She slowly stops pinning me down and rises up to look at the drive.
5: What are... Please,
4: just take a look at it. Delisa raises a brow and plucks the drive on an extension on the communicator she has. She enters the code without issue. The screen gives a bunch of data that she scrolls down. She gives an expression showing distress.
5: I am such an idiot. I helped him if those bombs detonate. What have you discovered?
4: She gives me the communicator and I read on the screen. The data reveals the bombs would not only turn humans into undead. The effect of the spores would kill all other life on the island of Cebu, including Aswang. So I guess now you have a reason.
5: The Luzon gang betrayed me. There's much they have to answer for. The data was right under my nose in this very warehouse I secured. Is this why the Kuyas said there wasn't nothing worthwhile in the manifest other than what I already know? So you helped me? I wonder why the drive had an Aswang cipher. Spinnacle's property, like someone on the inside wanted me to know.
4: I hesitantly walk over to Delisai and lower her claws. We can worry about it later. Let's make sure Herodotus doesn't get his way. You have the power to turn the tide and make things right. (laughs)
5: Like calling for peace? Not possible.
4: I doubt we can heal the rift between the Aswang and Cebu. But we can at least stop things from escalating further. Ate Delisai sighs. She beckons me to grab onto her. She spreads her wings.
5: Hang on. We can reach Herodotus. We need to take him down to disorient the undead. Let's
4: go then. Delisai flies with soaring speed to the direction where Herodotus is as she knows where he's positioned. fight between different squads ensues. The Aswang Lieutenant and I fly overhead while she barks her orders on her communicator. I could see an immediate effect as Sama Swang pause from the fighting, hearing new orders. Some are confused, but ultimately retreat from their opponents. The Tikbalang are taken aback from the retreat, but nonetheless take the opportunity to destroy the undead and to extract the bombs from all over the city. We see the sky distort around an area of the city. As we closely enter, Delise stops.
5: Mm, I know this spell. Herodotus traps his victims before he claims them by cutting off the area to a different level of reality. How do we get in? You don't.
4: Can you turn on your communicator? Delise pauses in confusion, but she decides to follow my request. She turns on her device and I enter it and disappear back into the static.
1: Finn and I fight out the undead while we take cover behind the jeepney from the fire attacks of the man eater. Herodotus then draws a twisted twin barrel shotgun with leech like protrusions and fires green shrapnel at the jeepney, causing it to rock back. How tough is this jeepney? Tough enough to survive most anti vehicle munitions.
2: How did your uncle- Don't ask. It gives me a headache. I'm going to recall my spear. Hopefully Faye has reached her point by now. Finn calls upon his spear, which ports back on his hand.
1: He throws it through the jeepney window and eroded the shotgun, destroying it. Then the beast roars as he slams his staff on the ground, creating a greenish shockwave that pushes everything, even the jeepney, away. <laughs> Finn retrieves his spear and resists the attack. He charges at Herodotus, and they spar with long-range ball arms. I get on the jeepney and activate his defense system by pushing some buttons. The jeepney's hitting guns fire at the undead devastating Finn starts getting the upper hand on Herodotus, now attacking more aggressively at him.
2: Now, I, burn I am not the one losing this here fight!
1: He Pin jabs his spear into Herodotus' side and wounds him. The man eater roars and ports away into his last undead minion. As it explodes, as he appears. Herodotus channels all the corpses nearby, activating their implants, causing them to detonate. The bodies disintegrate, but a torrent of green energy mode starts getting absorbed by him. He starts becoming bulkier and even more monstrous from his transformation. Finn hurls his spear at the monster. It bounces off of him. Finn is caught by surprise as he gains his spear back.
2: Am I losing this fight now?
1: Finn, any more ideas?
2: Kinda tough to think in the heat of battle!
1: As Herodotus advances, I try to fire the jeepney's weapons at the monsters, but they bounce off of Finn slowly backs up as Herodotus prepares for a fiery attack from his maw. I
3: feast in glory.
1: Suddenly, I see the TV screen on the jeepney explode as Faye bursts out to stand with us ready for battle took you long enough.
4: How are you both faring?
2: Not great!
1: The man-eater shoots green flame yet again. I port Wei to the side while Finn slams his spear to make his light shield. Faye faces through the flames and rushes to Herodotus. That's some guts right there. The man-eater attempts to stamp Faye with his burning fist. He misses and Faye slides underneath the monster. She turns and jumps on his back, where she faces her arms through his body and rips out his heart. God damn. The man needs her cough's acidic blood as he stumbles. <laughs> Faye jumps off until he twists his body 180 degrees and grabs her. He throws her at the car, which she faces through it but ends up becoming corporal and smashes into an electronic store. What? Didn't she rip out his heart? Does he have more? The manager stands up and rushes me. I try to port behind, but he twists again. I port to the front again. Suddenly, his back opens up with a mouth and shoots more green flames. I teleport to the side, but he swiftly does a sweeping kick that I am too slow to dodge. I can't... At that. The manager attempts to step on me, but Finn attacks him from behind, catching his attention. I see Faye walking out with her torn hoodie holding a plasma screen TV monitor. She runs to us. The manager claws at Finn who blocked his assaults with his spear. Faye rushes by Finn into Herodotus. She dodges his burning attacks and jumps into the maw of Herodotus, whose mouth is erupting in green fire. Though on fire herself, Faye touches the screen on the TV to activate what seems to be a portal. The beast tries to close his jaws on Faye with some of the teeth cutting into her ectoplasmic body. She concentrates as she contorts into the TV. Herodotus goes wide-eyed when he contorts as the TV inside his jaws caused him to be sucked into it. He and Faye disappeared entirely with only a wrecked TV screen falling to the ground. Holy shit! Fey! We run to the rec TV looking at it. I notice the sky warping back to normal. Finn frantically tries to turn on the TV but to no avail. I sigh putting put my hand on his shoulder. Sorry about Faye. We both remain silent until my phone started ringing. Can I call you back? I'm in the middle of... The phone explodes as Faye in a mangled and wounded state reappears from the phone landing on me. She then throws up, happy to see her back, but does she have to do that? Finn goes to hug Faye in her messed up state.
4: Reckless again, us. Sorry, but it worked, didn't it?
1: Where's Herodotus? Fiend starts start snapping Fay's mangled body back together to make it easier to heal. These guys are weird even for me, but I am glad they were around.
4: Hopefully, gone for good in aesthetic.
2: Didn't expect you to go through bringing someone into your realm.
4: Herodotus was dangerous. I don't think we could easily defeat him, other than vanquishing him to some place where he can't endanger lives here.
2: I am not sure how I can write this in the report. Not to mention how you got here.
4: Finn, no need to know right now. Let's just take it easy for now. What about the bombs?
1: A fellow member of the Digbalong tribe ports before catching us all by surprise.
3: The bombs are disarmed, and the Aswang are retreating.
1: I raise a brow and look to Faye. I suppose you had something to do with the Aswang retreating.
4: Riz, can we just rest for the moment? Besides... Your cousin is waiting for you, right?
1: Shit, yeah. Tell others that I will join them after I take care of a few things. The tibalang nods and ports out. If you two are able, you deserve to at least observe the parade. Finn and Faye look at each other and then nod to me. I can see Faye look up above. I look at her direction to also find to be a lower half of a body join the upper half of a manananggal could see her vaguely nodding with approval, before disappearing in the rooftops.
4: The parade continues without incident. The crowd continues to celebrate the closing parade of synagogue. The Tikbalang organize their own party together, watching the parade from the rooftops. Riz, back in human form, finds Reina. They hug and both watch the parade together. Finn supports me as we watch the event unfold from the second floor of a building. I could see the little girl with the former human dog I let go watch the parade too. The girl notices me and waves back, smiling warmly. I wave back, smiling as well. The ending to our mission is much better than what happened in Brazil.
2: Don't remind me. But remember, we are still on probation for that. Hopefully, our success here will the command lighten up a command light enough of it. We will have to explain all the details. And I have a feeling you haven't been right with me.
4: The Aswang boss switched sides when she found out that the bombs would have killed the Aswang too. The manifest had some details specifically to allow an Aswang crime boss to access through a cipher.
2: Why would Pinnacle's manifest allow an Aswan to have access to their files?
4: I think someone on the inside wanted her to know. Like this was part of a plan.
2: I wonder who that would be.
4: Then we can get there when we get there. Can we at least make this moment a small relief from all the action?
2: I didn't expect someone like you to be tired.
4: You know what I mean. Finn and I hear footsteps as a tourist comes by and leans on the railing looking at the parade.
0: Nice sight, isn't it? Finn
4: could tell I am caught off guard by the new arrival.
0: You know him? Hey, Jim's the name. Enjoying the festival?
4: Somehow. I had a feeling I would see him again, though I say otherwise. Um, yeah, we are. Didn't expect to see you again.
0: Well, I was busy with work for the last few days, but I managed to get the time off for this special occasion. But I'm more concerned about you. You look really beat up.
4: It's nothing special, just an accident.
0: (laughs) You're taking it very well. Your clothes are ripped up, and I can see you're bandaged up here and there. Nothing special about multiple injuries. What's your business with us, Jim? There's going to be a time where I need your help.
4: Finn and I look at each other, confused. Our help?
0: Yes. I made a deal with Aegon for aid.
4: While we are on the second floor talking, I see from the side of my eye Reyna looking on from below. She has a quick glance of Jim before turning to Riz, and they continue watching the parade. Odd. Hmm. So, you aren't just a tourist.
0: Wasn't it obvious? It was very obvious. I do tend to stick out like a sore thumb. (laughs) But I'll be leaving this country soon. Lots of plans within plans. You and your allies will be called to action very soon. The world is in the midst of falling apart. And the right kind of people will be needed to take on the threats to come. The question is, do you have what it takes to face what's out there?
4: Jim said that last sentence with a sense of foreboding. Finn and I have been through much. Whatever happens, we will be there.
0: Hmm. Huh. That is what I like to hear. Enjoy the parade, and Viga Pitsenor, you too.
4: Jim walks away, and I see the back pocket of his pants a wallet that has the symbol of Pinnacle, a triangle with yellow outlines with lines inside nearly reaching each other. They look like hands praying to a god. He looks back and winks at me before going down the stairs. Finn looks at me strangely.
2: I think you have some explanation for me.
4: <sighs> yeah, a lot. From a distance, thanks to my acute vision, I can see Reina text on her phone to an unknown number saying only three words. Words that make me feel that I will have to keep an eye on her and Jim. Magnus is here. Magnus? the family that owns Pinnacle and the other corporations that dominate our world? I think we have brought ourselves the attention of some big players. As the parade died down, I told Finn that I could support myself and that I wanted some time alone. Finn would go down to meet Riz and Reina while I went to the roof. I sit on the ledge and look outward to the city of Cebu. So much has happened in a few days. I met new enemies, but I also met new friends as well as those who seem to play both sides. The sun is setting, and I could still feel the subtle sting of the sunlight upon me. However, I am happy I can feel it at all. It just shows I am not numb, and I refuse to not feel anything, even if it hurts physically or emotionally. Even in death, I am still human. And I have come to terms that I am here to stay among the living. There's more to the world I have yet to see. And the more I do these missions, the more I realize my curse is a hidden blessing, a second chance to do good and be around people that I can proudly call my friends. I see Riz come up and sit next to me, smiling. We say nothing to each other. As we look at the horizon I wonder if Riz wants to join Finn and I I hope so I welcome his company Whatever happens next Good Or ill The adventure continues. We may be monsters or legends, but we will be there for those who need our help in the present as well as those in the future to come.
0: Project Gnosis was more a culmination of a couple concepts I thought about as far as my time in high school. In fact, it was more the evolution to all the daydreaming I had in my youth. I dreamt of many different characters, both good and bad, based on different concepts, in settings both fantastic yet mundane, and talking about situations that are both based on mythology and both based on reality and history. I slowly tried to conceive the idea and even brought people in that were convinced about the uniqueness to the concept. It was originally supposed to be a comic until I went a different direction and wanted to give this story a voice, literally. I hired and contracted many good people such as Kaz who plays Faye, Kevin who plays Finn, Nico who plays Riz, as well as many more voice actors, artists, and even someone that served as my sound designer and composer. Admittedly, I had little resources since the beginning to actually do this project and I haven't coordinated with this many people as a producer before. I even tried a Kickstarter project that failed badly due to lack of proper marketing on my end and low visibility of the series. Yet despite everything, I never really gave up. Even though I had some bumps in the road, I still wanted to commit through with it because even if I wasn't getting much back, I was really passionate to make this come to be, come alive. And I get that I have to refine the series further in terms of storytelling and production. But I see this whole experience that took a year to make as a rewarding lesson of what to do and not to do. The best part is that I reached my goal in the end and at least close a chapter both for the story and my life. I plan to do more with this setting because season one was only meant to be an introduction to the world and the characters. But I really want everything to kick off next season. Perhaps in time, I will get more notice of what I'm doing and maybe get more support in the long run. In the meantime, I thank you so much to all those that listened to the story so far. If you'd like to see more of these made, please support us for future seasons. On our Anchor FM page, we have a donation button to send money if you really want to see more of this happen. We also have a Patreon that we can share bonus content as well as allow for input for future chapters. While season one is about to end, I hope to continue making this story go further. Perhaps in time, it will become something even more special. This is Matt, signing out.